1: Welcome to another episode of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of the Reconstructionist Radio Network. My name is Russell Trawick. I am the husband of almost 20 years to my wife, Shelley, and a father to four amazing kids. I also have the wonderful pleasure of pastoring Christ Covenant Church in Sweeney, Texas, as a bivocational pastor, who also has the joy of running his own construction and home renovation company and developing, at the same time, our family farm. I thank Reconstructionist Radio for the opportunity to share how God uses Christian Reconstruction to be applied to my life and vocation daily. Now, I know that that's a long intro today, but I, I think it's necessary to not only acknowledge, but give praise to the Lord and others where it is due. If you listen fully to the episode, I believe you'll understand why. At least I hope so. You see, the title of this episode Racism and Christian Reconstruction May be a bit misleading But we're not saying that Christian Reconstructionism is racist In the sense of prejudice due to skin color or ethnicity Even though there are some fringe groups That misuse and flout the words of R.J. Rushdeny out of context To suit their own sinful desires Therefore I will not be discussing kinists or kinism at all Rather, I would like to share how a comprehensive worldview can eradicate a form of hatred amongst different image bearers of God. In fact, before continuing, I would encourage you to go and to uh, look into an Axe to Root podcast by Bojidar Marinov episode 8, called The Anti-Covenantal Nature of Racism. So here we go. A few weeks back, I went to a tractor supply store in Angleton, Texas. That's a corporate feed-slash-hardware chain store to get some, some fencing supplies. And as I was looking through the inventory to find out what I needed, I heard a voice from behind me say, Hello, young man. How are you today? And I turned around to see an elderly man, and I stuck out my hand to shake his, and I said, I'm blessed. How are you? Taking a firm grip of my hand, with tears in his eyes, he says, much better you are the first white man to even respond to me and acknowledge my presence in here today why is that well I answered him graciously as possible as much as I could and I said well sir I am a Christian he said I'm sure they think they are too and I said let me rephrase that statement sir I am a Christian that not only believes in Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I also take my Lord's words very seriously, that we prove we are His disciples, not only by our love for one another, but by obeying His commands. And one of those commands is to love your neighbor as yourself. I also reminded him that in 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God from whom he has not, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. At this he asked, Why do you call me brother? We don't look anything alike. I asked him, Is Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Do you seek to honor, follow, and obey our Lord at his very word? He said, yes, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so what followed went something a little bit like this. I said, sir, in Genesis 1, 26 28, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. creature that moves on the earth. We even find later on a similar statement after the flood with Noah and his sons and their wives and and God reestablishes that same covenant. I told him that biblically all mankind are made in the image of God that if we have descended from Adam and a, along with his sin nature and that we all have subsequently have descended from Noah and his family, that means there's not multiple people, there's one people. In fact if there's there there are two races of people biblically speaking those who belong to Christ and those who don't I went on to paraphrase first Peter two four through ten which I will read in full context to you here. It says, "As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You, you ourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." for it stands in Scripture, it, it says, "Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame." So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who don't believe. The stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, there there are a chosen people for his possession, and there are those who are destined to disobedience. Now before I move on, I want to address a few straw man arguments that get thrown at anyone who takes this stance. There are those who try to claim colorblindness when it comes to this topic, and that is not what I'm doing. I'm fully aware that, that, that there are people who have different colors of skin, textures of hair, and so on. I know that many identify with the typical stereotypes of race or ethnicity or so on, and I know that there are many that believe it is easy for me to make such statements out of, out of the modern illogical view of white privilege. I know that there have been many atrocities in the past toward individuals of multiple ethnic backgrounds within the United States. And by the way, this includes those who are considered white by today's standards with the Irish slave trade. I know there are some differences, but all the same, slavery doesn't hold to just skin color or ethnic land or origin. As long as there is oppressive, sinful men rebelling against a holy and righteous God, there will be oppression, prejudice, and slavery. Rush Jenny... R.J. Rushney wrote in the Chalcedon Report number 145, September nineteen seventy-seven, found in his book *The Roots of Reconstruction*. He wrote that as Christians, we cannot begin to cope with the problems of our time unless we recognize that man, as a fallen creature, is whatever his profession outwardly, a person who prefers slavery and injustice. And I believe Galatians three twenty-eight. The 29 ought to be the standard by which we, we discuss. Race, which reads, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. It's more important in regards to the kingdom of God to discuss a person's identity in regards to Christ Jesus than to continue to discuss a humanistic evolution based idea of the races separate in regards to genetics and abilities. A man I respect once said it's important to study history, but as Christian reconstructionists, regardless of past or present tragedies and hardships, we must always be future oriented. Because a future-oriented person is a kingdom-minded person. So let's go back to the story. The man asked me, Son, where are you from? I answered him, From a town near Beaumont, Texas called Nederland. He said, Oh yeah, Needling Port natures, known for great football programs and being a hotbed for the Ku Klux Klan. How did you come out of a place like that and end up like this? I told him, by the grace of God alone. Now friends, there are several reasons that I could point out as reasons for why I didn't become a racist. One could be that my mother intentionally worked as a public school teacher where she was a white woman and as a white woman she was in the minority. A second reason was that that my parents' first child, my older brother, is Hispanic and he's adopted. But none of those things can change a person's heart through repentance and set them toward love of another human being beyond Christ Jesus. For most of us, When we hear the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves, we immediately jump to our preferred people group for application. Whether it's crying out for the abolition of abortion, or for the foreigner who desires to sojourn among us, or the orphans who need a home and the such, we have an immediate application that comes to our minds. And it's not wrong. I'm not arguing that that's wrong. Yet, it seems without an abusive police video or someone, some uh, demonic man mass murdering a congregation, we don't seem to think of our, our other neighbors. I know that most of us believe that Christian Reconstructionism is a worldview that applies to all of life. But the question is, do we let it? Or do we let opportunities pass us by for the sake of whatever? So what's the point of all this? Do we need to have a heart-to-heart talk with every stranger? I don't know, but if the opportunity presents itself, why not? Why would a man be wandering around a store? Trying to strike up a conversation with perfect strangers. White, black, whatever. Why is it so important that he would well up with tears over a handshake? One belief I would have never known apart from stopping and, and shaking his hand and having a conversation. This man needed genuine fellowship. It had been some time since he had been able to get to church, he tells me. Come to find out the reason why. This man's wife has been battling cancer courageously. This gentleman himself had suffered two strokes and a heart attack, and now his God-given helpmate who stood by his side and nursed him back to health and prayed with him and read scripture with him is no longer able to help him, but is helpless herself barely able to recognize him some days and all this man needed was someone to stop and say hello and recognize him as a person, a human and my man but these fine upstanding pearly white citizens saw him as an inconvenience a cancerous drain on their time and effort I thank God that I was led by the Holy Spirit and not my flesh that day. As he turned to leave, the man says to me, Ain't it great to come to the feed store and meet new, as he waited for me to fill in the blank. And I responded to him, Family. And my response, this aged, grown Man, wells up in tears and crying out loud, grabs on and hugs me, crying on my shoulder. I know, very strange and very uncomfortable. But when he finished, he says to me, I expected you to say brother or brother in Christ, but I never expected the word family. He says to me, I can see that God is alive and working in all of us. But, son, God is going to do great things with you in Sweeney, Texas. Folks, I pray the Lord does. But what I'm reminded is that not all of the Christian life is about how many Bible verses one can quote to somebody in a circumstance. Or how many books one has read or have, how many they have on their bookshelf. Or how many authors one can name drop. But even more important is the life we live in Christ Jesus. Loving the people we meet as neighbors. And not only how often we share the gospel. But how we allow the powerful gospel that changed our lives to be the driving force of purpose in our present and toward our future for the sake of God's kingdom. Till next time, I know it's short today, but until next time, God bless you and yours.
0: Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com. To listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology.